Good morning. Joy to be with you today and to share God's Word with you. Um, today we're going to be talking about help for handling your longest day. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. I do want to take just a quick second as the head of school to say to Salem Baptist Church how much we appreciate you. This year, the most different and in many ways the most difficult school year ever, but we made it because of folks like you who encouraged, who prayed, who gave support. And many of you, Pastor Rick, asked if you would be adopters and you adopted our teachers and you gave to them and you, at the, just the right moment, brought different gifts to them and kept them in the race. And a few weeks ago, we graduated 47 students. And now, at this point, we are ahead of enrollment for next year that makes it look like we're going to be well over 500 new, 500 students, not new. I better put a heart attack myself. But from the school, as a representative, thank you for all that you did to help us this past year uh, get across the finish line. I also want to say to you, uh, we do hope you'll take uh, advantage of this opportunity to go with us to Israel. I have flyers in the foyer. Uh, that's the empty tomb. I think you can see up there. Um, Kim Newsom headed up there. Uh, anyway, I just want you to know, we would love for you to go with us, and, and you will uh, find it to be one of the most memorable experiences you will ever have. That's January the 17th through the 26th, and uh, we do invite you to go with us. The next slide that's coming up is not a picture from Israel. As you look at this slide, I am looking over the beaches. It's a beautiful day. 77 years ago, it wasn't a beautiful day. And it wasn't a beautiful location. For what I am looking at is the beaches of Normandy, the beaches of D-Day. 2016, 2017, I had the opportunity to walk that sacred ground. We drove in to Point de Hoc, where many of our soldiers would give their lives so that we could have freedom and Europe could have freedom again. As we drove there, we began to walk around to see these steep cliffs, to see a beach that again today has memorials on it. But 77 years ago, this wouldn't be a scene. This wouldn't be a scene. As they would come off of those landing crafts to charge into the face of bullets because they had to fight for freedom. Many of them, this would be their last day after standing and looking at the beach, looking at 
that beautiful water, we would then turn around and walk through the Normandy Cemetery where thousands of our young men are buried, where they sacrificed their lives. D-Day, June 6, 1944, became known as the longest day. A movie would be made about this epic battle in World War II, the longest day. What's your longest day? Regardless of how old you are in this room, at some point you're going to have your longest day. You may have already had it, some of you going, you could have asked it, what have been your longest days? Because there have not been just one day like a D-Day. There have been many days that have been incredibly intense, full of battle, fight, not knowing if you would survive. It's been your longest day. My wife, my children, two are in here, one in the nursery uh, working there. Make sure you understood that. <laughs> my wife will tell you without question, for me, May 14, 1989 was my longest day. It was Mother's Day. It began about 6 a.m. with the dreaded phone call, your mom has died. And that's how I started Mother's Day, 1989. I, without question. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. I've brought up a painful longing. You remember getting that phone call. The person that was so dear to you is no longer here. August 17, 2016, I'm sitting in a doctor's office. Your test results are back, and you have prostate cancer. I'm sitting there all alone. The doctor walks out, and I'm like, I just heard, I've got what? Is this real? And for many of you who know that, that word, that dreaded word, it's not a word that has become a longest day. It would be for me the longest month, the longest two years. Two years. What's been your longest day? What's that hard, hard, difficult, discouraging day? Some of you right now are like, I, I hope I, I never have a day like that. You know, a longest day can come in many ways. It can come in the ways of a relationship that fails. You young folks over here, there'll be those times where you think you have it figured out on who you're going to be spending the rest of your life with, and all of a sudden it ends. I had a young lady make a huge mistake. She broke up with me after we were engaged, and I like to say it that way to feel better about myself, but thank the Lord she broke up with me because if she didn't, I wouldn't be married to the most wonderful woman in the world. 
And I had a friend, a family member, on the day that I was so defeated because of a broken engagement, he looked at me and he said, everybody's feeling sorry for you and you're feeling sorry for you, but I'm not. I'm happy for you. I think God just hit you right square between the eyes with a blessing. And I look back and I go, that man was right. A long day because of a broken relationship, a firing from a job. Maybe the, the loss of a dear loved one, a physical challenge, maybe a spiritual failure. Where you've been trying, 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 trying to be victorious over some temptation, but all of a sudden you fail. And now you feel defeated. I want to remind you this morning, when we think about the longest day, we're going to have to deal with an enemy and we're going to have long days because we are in a spiritual battle. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have an adversary who is worse than the Nazis, who's worse than any enemy you could ever imagine. The Bible describes him in 1 Peter as a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Get that word picture in your mind. A lion that wants to devour you, destroy you, take you completely out. Peter says, be sober, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking him whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You're sitting here going, I'm overwhelmed with the fact that I've got an a, a enemy that wants to destroy me, and now you, that little statement comes along, resist him. Wait a minute, how in the world am I supposed to resist such a fierce, ferocious enemy? Well, that's what we're here for today. Help for handling your longest day. If you have your Bibles, we've got the help. Ephesians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at today verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6 verse 10 starts this way. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's your enemy. Put on the whole armor of God. And then he says this. Therefore, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. He, we've got all kind of enemies that the devil will be throwing at us. And then he says, see when you handle your own, there we go. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, in the longest day, and having done all, to stand. As Christians this morning, the book of Ephesians gives us this incredible hope. We are his sons. We are called to be his sons. We are adopted. We're part of the family of God. This is an incredible book we've been studying. 
It tells us what we have in Christ. But as we do have in Christ this great title, sons, children of God, he comes to the conclusion and he says, I need you to take on a different image. It's still your son, but you are a soldier. You need to see yourself as a soldier. Paul used this phrase several times when he talked about his companions. He said, this is my fellow soldier, my fellow soldier. We know this, by the way, as church members, right, that we're soldiers. We sing a song, Onward Christian Soldiers. You've sung that song before. We're soldiers. Vacation Bible School. If you know anything about Vacation Bible School, you know that you're a soldier. Why? Come on, Jeff, tell us why. We may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, yes sir! I, I hear some of you applauding, but don't you think he could do better? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, come here. I want you to do the motions. Come on, come on, come on. Did you almost slip and fall right there? Help me out here. My wife wants me to learn this song. She's, she works at Vacation Bible School. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm Much in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. <laughs> I may never zoom for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeff. That was awesome, buddy. That's part of Vacation Bible School, why you should have all your kids at Vacation Bible School. Now, we know this. We're soldiers. If you're going to be a soldier... Here's something you've got to have. And there are a number of you in here who've served as soldiers, and you know what I'm getting ready to tell you is the truth. You've got to be strong. You can't be a weakling in the Lord, in the, as a soldier. You've got to do push-up after push-up, pull-up after pull-up. When I was in high school, we had a guy, and he was skinnier than I was. I mean, he was skinny as a rail. His arms were like toothpicks. And he makes an announcement one day, I'm going into the army. And we looked at him and said, buddy, you're going to get killed by your own friends. I mean, you, you, you're not big enough. He said, that's why I'm going. I said, hey, okay. He came back six weeks later from boot camp. He had guns. I'm like, what in the world happened? He said, I was doing 100 push-ups three, four times a day. Look at these guns, baby. Now let somebody mess with me. You've got to be strong. And listen, that is what Paul said, right? As he goes into this portion of teaching to the Ephesians about how they're going to handle life, he says, finally, my brethren, first statement, be strong. This isn't new, by the way, with the Apostle Paul. 
He said this over in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. That's a, that's a military term. Be brave, be strong. For you and I to stand, to stand, we're going to have to be strong. And, and some of you that have served as soldiers have heard this phrase, you're going to have to soldier on. You're going to have to soldier on, which means there can't be any quit. There can't be any retreat. You can't back up. You've got to face the enemy. And you and I as Christians have to face our enemy. And this morning, let's talk about what does it take to be strong? What does it take to become a strong soldier for Christ? Now, I think we ought to practice what the preacher preaches. And Harper, last Sunday, Harper, are you practicing what you preached? Look at there. There's the notebook, and where's the pen? There's the pen. Harper said, when you hear a sermon, didn't he say this, Jeff? You should have paper and pencil ready to take notes. So here come the notes. Number one, becoming a strong soldier will mean this. You're going to need to saturate your heart with Scripture. If you're going to be a strong soldier in the army of God, you're going to need to saturate, fill your heart with the Word of God. Why would I say this? John writes in 1 John to these young men, and he says, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. How does the young man overcome the wicked one? The Word of God abides in him. You're never going to be able to defeat your arch enemy without Scripture. How did Jesus handle the arch enemy in the valley of temptation? As Satan threw temptation, he came back at him with Scripture. Saturate your heart with Scripture. First, uh, Psalms 119.11, your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Are you hiding God's word? Are you putting that word in? Listen to this verse, guys. Listen to this verse, Proverbs 4, 4. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. That, that's, that's got the idea of being in a battle. Someone's trying to destroy you. Someone's trying to kill you. Someone wants you to be devoured. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If you'll keep my word, if you'll put my word in your heart and you'll obey it, you'll defeat your arch enemy. So number one, saturate your heart with Scripture. Number two, have tight relationships with others. We're talking about being a soldier. You don't soldier by yourself. Have tight relationships with others. You must be 
a part of a band of brothers. If you're going to be a successful, strong soldier, you're going to need the help of others because this enemy is so powerful. You can't take him on by yourself. Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee also youthful lust. Well, Paul, that's, that's been my problem. I can't seem to get away from it. Imagine if that's all he said. Flee youthful lust. Run away from it. Come on, get strong. Paul said, no, wait a minute. I know, I, know, I know what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to get away from the youthful lust. I'm telling you to get away from it. But wait a minute. I'll give you some help. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Two words. With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Who's your with those? Who are those that you have beside you that are helping you fight the battles? Who do you have that comes alongside you who has your back? I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's dangerous to be taken on life, and it's far dangerous to take on the devil by yourself. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against wise judgment. You get out there by yourself, you start thinking everything about yourself. You don't think about others and caring for others. And now it's all about you. And then when someone says something to you about how you ought to be living different, I'm not listening to that. I'm my own God. Hmm, you're not going to win when you're trying to live it by yourself. We know this from Ecclesiastes. We throw this out quite often when we think about marriage. When we look at Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For the, if, one, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Here we are dealing with temptation. And sometimes we do fall. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6 says, A faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'd rather have the wounds of a friend than the wounds of the devil. How about you? I'd rather have someone speaking to my life that causes me to stay away from getting too close to the fire, keeping me from getting harmed. And you know the power of friendship, right? The friendships you guys will make this year. The friendships our students make with one another. The friendships we have in Sunday school in a small group. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man's countenance sharpens his friend. We make each other better. You don't want to be taking on the enemy of the, your enemy without friends. Have tight relationships with others. I'm telling you, you want to have people in your life that will help keep your back. I made this statement this morning in my own preparation. I'm sitting here going through this, and all of a sudden it just hit me, and I added this to my notes. You ever think about the one another's in the Bible? The numerous one another's in the Bible are actions in order to have each other's back. God says, I want you to do this for others in a way you're doing this so that you have the other person's back. And you know what? When you're in a battle, you need somebody to have your back. Number three this morning, 
lift up to the Lord as well as laying down burdens on the Lord. If I'm going to be strong as a soldier, I got to understand something. I can't fight the battle by myself without his help. Lift up to the Lord. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I need your help. We studied a while back the book of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, we have a man who is the cupbearer, who becomes a wall bearer, who is also, don't you miss this, he's a soldier. He's a soldier. They're now building the wall, but they've got to be a soldier. They've got to be ready to fight at any time. And in Nehemiah 6, 9, it says this, for they all were trying to make us afraid. The enemy was trying to make them afraid so that they would quit doing what God had called them to do. They were saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. And Nehemiah says, before I speak to them, I'm going to speak to God. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen my hands. You know, folks, sometimes people think you got to pray a long prayer to get a hold of God. No, sir. No, ma'am. You need to learn the short prayers. Hey, Rip, that could be a sermon series. The short prayers. You know, when Peter was sinking uh, after he stepped out of the boat, walking on, trying to walk on the water, and he did walk for a little bit, but then he started singing. He didn't start praying a long prayer. He just said, help, Lord! Nehemiah, he's got an enemy. Strengthen my hand. I hope you'll circle Nehemiah 6, 9. You're going to need it. Lord, <laughs> strengthen my hand as I deal with these kids. Some of them would seem like they're demon-possessed. I know some of them come from our school. Um, <laughs> but you know what God does? He gives you strength. He gives you the power. You will never be stronger than when you're on your knees. Dwayne and I read Thomas Rowe, Jerry Falwell. He would say over and over, about how incredible prayer is. You don't, when it comes to prayer, Dr. Falwell would say that you had to be on your knees before God. You're nothing more than what you are on your knees. He would call us to pray and seek God to do those things which are only going to be able to be done by him. You want to be a strong soldier? Then you got to be a person of prayer. Number four, determine to be disciplined. I got quiet on that one because now it gets real, real serious. You know, these young people, sometimes they get bent out of shape at home and they get bent out of shape at school. And I ain't going to stay at that school anymore. I'm not going to stay at home anymore. Where are you going? I'm going to go join the army. So you think you're going to be a rebel in the army, huh? <laughs> you guys, ladies who've been in boot camp, How's that, how's that work when you want to do your own thing? 
Hmm. You want to be a strong soldier? You're going to have to determine to be disciplined. Listen to the Apostle Paul. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. I discipline myself. The first person you lead is yourself. You discipline yourself. Why do you have to discipline yourself? Because you do not want to be disqualified. You do not want to be disqualified. We know this about soldiers. You can be dishonorably discharged. There can be conduct unbecoming to your branch. And it's one of the saddest moments to have a person who is disqualified, discharged, dishonorably discharged. Now listen, Paul says, I'm going to discipline myself so that I don't become disqualified. He's not talking about losing his salvation, but he is talking about losing his opportunities. And I have wept way too many tears for way too many good people who didn't practice this at some point. And they got careless, undisciplined, and all of a sudden we talked about what they used to do. No longer talking about what they are doing or will be doing because they became disqualified. Now, you got to discipline yourself. you got to discipline yourself so you don't become disqualified. We, listen, we can't have in a physical army a Benedict Arnold. I say that name, and it resonates. You know what, we, what else we can't have in the spiritual army? We can't have Aikens. We can't have Aikens. Can't marry wood, all it takes is one Achan. Judges chapter 7. Joshua says, let's go, boys, let's go get up, let's go get Ai. And they're getting whooped by an inferior enemy. Joshua's like, what in the world, God? He goes, buddy, you got sin in the camp. Joshua chapter 6. Achan took the accursed thing. And now God has to point him out. There can't be Aikens at Salem Baptist Church for us to be strong and moving forward. We've got to get the sin out of the camp. You've got to get the sin out of your life. Discipline. You see, this part of being disciplined means you live with integrity. And when it comes to integrity, I thought this quote fit well for today's message because June 6, 1944, was being led by General Eisenhower. He's the supreme commander. And he makes this, this statement, the supreme quality for leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it's on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or in an office. It's got to be integrity, folks. You have to discipline yourself to do that which is right. You got to discipline yourself so you won't be distracted. 
Apostle Paul will talk to Timothy and he'll say this to him, Timothy, you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. A distracted, a distracted soldier is soon going to be a defeated soldier. You cannot serve two masters. Some of us are wavering with a love for the world. And you know what happens when you start loving the world? You'll move to a place where James says you've committed spiritual adultery. You're not a strong soldier when you're, when you're playing around with fire and falling more in love with the world. You've got to be disciplined so that you're not distracted. And then that you may not be devoured. This is where it gets real serious, folks. The reason you're going through boot camp and being trained the way you're being trained as a soldier is so you'll stay alive. It was in Ephesians. We've already read it. Ephesians 4.27 says, Do not give place to the devil. Don't give him an opening. Don't give him an opening. Uh, it's not that serious that I am that strict on myself. I can play around with a little fire, a little temptation. No, you can't. At Liberty, I had, a, I had numerous work studies for me. One named Josh Brown came to me one day and said, Dwayne, I'm getting ready to do a, a Bible study, and um, I think you might like this one. And he tells me about... 1 Kings 22, 34. 1 Kings 22, 34. Now, I didn't recognize that one right off the bat, but I went there with him and I read this verse. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel, that's Ahab, between the scale armor and the breastplate. Then he said to the driver of the chariot, turn around and carry me out of the battle for I am wounded and he would later die. Now, notice something on those words, between the scale armor and the breastplate. He didn't put the armor on tight. He didn't put his armor on tight. He left a little crack, and it cost him his life. I'm talking about you making a decision. I'm not giving the devil an inch. I'm not going to play with any temptation. I'm going to be tough on myself. That's the idea of being disciplined. Determined to be disciplined. Number five. You've got number five. You must be informed and be intelligent about the enemy. You must be informed and be intelligent about the enemy. Now, I don't have time to go into it, all the things that took place with D-Day, of what they knew about the enemy, and, and, and all the ways that would work for them to be able to win that battle. But there has to be great intelligence. And here's what we've got to know. When we're facing the devil, he has all kind of, it says wiles. He has schemes. 
Well, he says this, put on the whole of regard that you may be able to withstand stand against the schemes of the devil. And here's what Paul told the Corinthians, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Are you ignorant of Satan? Now, we study and learn all we can about God, but you've got to also study and learn a little bit about your enemy. And your enemy is a deceiver, which means you have to pay close attention to what is being brought before you. We're living in a world right now where right is wrong and wrong is right, where, where they will say good is bad and bad is good. You've got to be able to discern as a good soldier what he is telling you. You will hear lies from the devil. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is a discourager. He brings about doubt. You've got to know what he is about. One of the verses that I use in my daily devotions is First Corinth, Chronicles 12.32. First Chronicles 12.32 says the sons of Iskar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And by the way, one of the reasons you ought to come to Salem Baptist Christian School is because we have a class entitled Understanding the Times. We want our students to know about the times which they live in. Well, here's why this verse is part of my devotions. When I was, being, when I was just getting started in the ministry, I was with a man by the name of Dr. Jerry Vines. Dr. Vines was the president of Southern Baptist Convention. He was the chairman of our school board, and I'm riding with him one day, and I'm just asking him about how do you do your devotions, how do you do ministry, and he says, well, Dane, one of the things I do is when I get up in the morning, I want to know what God's up to, and so I read my Bible, and then I want to know what the devil's up to, so I read my newspaper. <laughs> Folks, Sometimes reading a newspaper, listening to the news is absolutely discouraging. There's no question about it. But I'll go back to Jerry Vine's word. If I'm not listening and finding out what the devil's up to, how do I know where I'm supposed to be fighting? And so for me, and I give this as a tip to you guys, read your Bible, but also read the news. Know where you're supposed to be standing for God. Number six. Equipped, if you want to be strong, you got to be equipped with the right equipment and equipped to use the equipment against the enemy. Now, I don't know if I could give a better tagline for Pastor Kivett for next Sunday because this is what he's going to do. He's going to tell us about the, the armor of God, the equipment that God has for us, and he's going to tell us how it can be used. You don't want to miss what's coming in the month of June. You want to learn how every day you put these pieces of the armor on so that you can defeat your enemy. Our commander has put at our fingertips the very things we need, and he tells us to put them on. He says, I want you to be ready, not, less, not just to be defensive. I want you to engage the enemy. I want you to take on the enemy. And then number seven, I'm watching the clock, guys. Number seven, you want to be strong? You want to be strong? It means you've got to become responsible. 
to prepare daily for the battle. Personal responsibility. I went back and I, I did just a little bit of a doctrine, if you will, doctrine to the, to the word. It's implied, but I put it there for you. Look at Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God. No, you, you, you put on the armor, the whole armor of God, that you, you've got to do this. I can't do it for you. Pastor Kivett can't do it for you. Terry can't do it for you. Rick can't be doing it for our teachers and for our students. Each person has to take personal responsibility. That's why when you see with the, with the army, the inspection, yes, they'll inspect a group, but it's individual inspection. Are you ready for the battle? You take responsibility. He goes on and says, therefore, you take up the whole armor of God. This morning, I'm concerned that there are many of us that still want to blame somebody else for our mistakes. Did you get up this morning and get dressed with the armor of God? If you've got dressed with the armor of God, when Satan throws his fiery darts at you, you've got a shield of faith that's ready to go to work. But if you didn't get dressed, you're leaving yourself wide open. And then you wonder why you experience defeat. This morning, if you want to be strong, you've got to put these, to put these actions into practice. I put it before you one more time. This is the reality. This is the reality. You have an enemy. We thought Hitler was bad. Doesn't even come close to Lucifer. He wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now the decision to take on the whole armor of God, to be strong, that's your decision. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you playing with temptation? Are you leaving yourself wide open for the enemy to devour? Are you a spiritual pushover? This morning we tried to give you some spiritual push-ups so you can be strong. Maybe this morning you need to say, Lord, I'm recognizing I'm not a strong soldier. But in this month of June, I want to learn. I want to learn how to put on the armor of God so that every day, every minute, I am ready for the battle and he gets no victories.
this morning if you don't know the Lord as your Savior. There's nothing more He can do for you. He has sent His Son to die on a cross. He rose again. He did everything that is needed for salvation. And today, if you don't know Him, He issues the invitation of invitations. Call on me. Most important decision you'll ever make is asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Become His son, become His child, become part of the family of God. And then from that, become a strong soldier in the army of God. Father, thank you for your word that helps us, equips us for spiritual warfare. May we apply it so that we might be victorious for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.